You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 115. Today's show is a rewind episode with Broadway wig designer Cookie Jordan. We talk about paying rent early, unions on Broadway, money is to serve you, not for you to serve money, and when working with nonprofits, asking for an in-kind donation receipt. With these rewind episodes, we're revisiting some of my favorite episodes from the past. I'm starting to share some of these previous episodes for a few reasons. One, we get new listeners each week, so the new listeners might not have heard this episode before. Two, even if you've been listening for a while, you may have missed this episode when it originally aired. And three, even if you've heard this episode before, you might learn something new. If you watch this video on YouTube, the audio does not sync up with the video. When we originally aired this episode, I wasn't publishing videos on YouTube, so you'll get an idea of how we interviewed, but don't try to match our lips to the audio. All right, that's all I have for the new intro. Everything going forward will be from the original show. Welcome to the Artistic Finance Podcast, where we break down the wall between art and money. If you're here looking for how to be an artist and financially sustain a career, you're in the right place. Keep listening and join us as we learn about artists and how they make money work for them. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ethan Steimel, here for episode 39. Thank you for being here, and thank you to everyone who has told a friend about this show. If you know an artist, please let them know that this show exists. Money is something we don't talk about in the arts community, but knowing how to handle it is vital. The more artists we have listening to this show, the more artists are going to be comfortable discussing their financial health with one another. As always, there are links to everything we talk about in the show notes and on our website, artisticfinance.com. Now what you're all here for, today's interview with guest Cookie Jordan, a hair, wig, and makeup designer. She has designed 15 Broadway shows, including Slave Play, The Share Show, and Fela. She has been nominated for three Drama Desk Awards for hair and makeup design. Cookie started at the Santa Fe Opera and has now designed in nearly every opera house in the USA. She has also designed in theaters from Arena Stage to New York City Center to Washington, D.C.'s Ford's Theater. If you like this episode, check us out at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. That is where the rest of today's interview is. We talk about Cookie producing a financial disaster of a play, why I started Artistic Finance, and Cookie's free hot dog stand during COVID. Without further ado, let's get to our interview. Welcome, Cookie Jordan, to the podcast. Thank you. So nice, and thank you for inviting me. And before we start, I just want to say, for people listening in the future, this is January 7th, 2021, so we are amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. We are amidst a Black Lives Matter reawakening across the world. And then yesterday, (laughs) we had Capitol Breach 2.0, which was a mob storming the United States Capitol for the first time since the War of 1812. And I may add, the worst production of Les Mis (laughs) you have ever seen. Oh my gosh, that's a good point because you know... (laughs) Over the next 10, 20 years, people are going to rip it off and put it into productions of Les Mis. <laughs> like, that's going to be their research imagery. We're going to set it in. We're going to do Les Mis and set it in 2021, January 6th. I mean, whatever. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what we're going to put him in those costumes. The costumes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so also, Cookie, before we get started, I want to know, is your name actually Cookie, or where does that name come from? My name is Marilyn Charlotte Henriquez. My first husband... Because no one ever remembered Marilyn Charlotte Henriquez, but Marilyn Charlotte Jordan when I got married. And then it became Cookie Jordan. When I was born, I weighed 10 pounds and 12 ounces. My mother said it was the worst pain she'd ever in her life, you know. You owe me. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, and then when when it was all over, it was over 24 hours. They cut her from here to there. And so when it was over and they brought the baby in, the baby, me, <laughs> she was expecting this big baby. <laughs> and there was the a baby with the biggest head she'd ever seen in her life and a little body. And I looked like a cookie with arms and legs. Hence, she called me Cookie, named me Marilyn after Marilyn Monroe. Wow. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> That is fantastic. Okay, so could you give us sort of a brief recap of how you got into makeup and hair um, and then where you are in your career right now? I got into makeup and hair a very traditional way through an apprentice program at the Santa Fe Opera. And I did a very traditional work with a master wig maker and master makeup artist. And that's how I learned. I was taught by these old dudes. You know what I mean? I was older when I got involved. So I was in my late 20s when I switched to hair and makeup solely. I used to be a director here in Santa Fe. I'm known as a director. So I I became an apprentice at the Santa Fe Opera. I had a roommate who was a makeup artist at the Santa Fe Opera. And he decided in the middle of the season to quit the job. In the middle of the season, he had to find someone to replace him. And he said, you can do it, Cookie. And I said, I'm doing the makeup. He goes, oh, easy. He was an artist. He was like, it's easy. (laughs) So he, he, he said, I got someone to take my place. And then the guy had me come in and do a sample, you know, do this good, do this dancer's makeup. And she was supposed to look like a um, flamenco dancer, hair slicked back with a big bun and the makeup. I got done with that woman. She looked like olive oil. (laughs) And the guy looked at me and he goes, well. (laughs) He says, you know what I think? He says, I think what we'll do is we'll have you come up in the evening and help us put the wigs on. And we'll show you how to do it. And you can come back next year and be an apprentice (laughs) (laughs) and learn how to do hair and makeup, (laughs) you know. And that's how I was, like, followed up and came back the next year and worked with him in the summers. And in the winters, I I ran a school program and I directed plays here. So, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so don't want to age you if you don't want, but, like, what what year was that? I'm 71. I'll I'll be 71 this year. And so that was back in the 70s. And and then geography-wise, born there? Born in Brooklyn, New York. Bed-Stuy. Okay. Raised in Brooklyn, New York. Got married when I was 16 to a man who was 25. He was a basketball player for the military. 
I met him at a 4th of July party and I was 16 at this adult party and I was sitting on the steps and this guy drove up in a convertible Mustang. He went into the party, you know, he thought it was boring too. And he said, you want to go to Coney Island? <laughs> and I'm 16 and I'm in a convertible Mustang going to Coney Island. I was in love. <laughs> So we got married. He left the military and he got a scholarship to go to Kansas, small school to play basketball. I went with him at 16, quit high school, got married, went with him. And then he did his four years of college. And then I had started school. I had dropped out of high school, went back, got my GED. It's a long story. And then I, I wound up going to school in Kansas when I got out of school, I came to visit a friend and she said, Cookie, you will love Santa Fe. Come visit. And I did. And I came. That was like over 40 years ago. And I literally came to visit her for Thanksgiving. Never went back to where I was living. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. OK, so then um, I actually thought you were based in New York. I am. Oh, you are. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an apartment in New York as well. So I have a house here that I bought 21 years ago. I'm originally from New York. I always came back to visit. And then I started getting work in New York. For, and, and that commute to go back to the East Coast to work, it was like, well, I did that for a long time. And then I decided, oh, just get an apartment. Get an apartment in New York. Commute from New York. Because commuting from Santa Fe going anywhere in the country is two flights. So, and the idea of going, and, and then it was before we had an airport here, I had to drive to Albuquerque to get a flight. And then, you know, coming back in and driving up the mountainside at 12 o'clock at night. Yep. Okay, that's cool. Could you share your demographics with us? I am, I don't know, what do you call me? I'm black, I'm African-American. I mean, it depends on the audience. How do you like your colored people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to call them? It's like I'm African-American, part Hispanic, but I don't really go there because I didn't have, I wasn't raised in that culture. My father was um, Puerto Rican, the Henriquez maiden name. Relationship status, you don't have to share if you don't want. But... Gus, little Gus, Gus. You and your you, you and Gus. <laughs> Gus is a dog, by the way. I don't know what kind of dog that is, though. Gus is an eight-month-old papillon. Papillon, very cute ears. Yeah, yeah. That papillon, French for butterfly. Ah, look, I'm learning things. <laughs> yeah, these ears. So, Cookie, before we get into talking about money, I want our audience to get to know your creative personality. What is a live event? that you like to experience as an audience member? The music that is being played at the Anyway Cafe on East 2nd Street and 2nd Avenue because they always have live music any day of the week. So I go there. It's a little Russian martini bar. That is awesome. I've never been. Go. When life returns. <laughs> you know, they're still doing it. They, you sit out in the street and the musicians sit in the big window, oh, and they've opened it up, yeah. and you can sit at the table outside. And okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. The Anyway Cafe, you'll love it. Amazing. And then if you get there, have a horseradish martini. That sounds good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
I once had some horseradish vodka, I think. Oh, it's good, right? And I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. They infuse all of their vodkas with different things. That's awesome. Okay, that's like the best answer to that question I've ever gotten. Because <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people say theater and I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. I just thought of... I, Theater for me is work. Yes, I agree. When I go watch a show, if I even if I'm enjoying it, I'm working. Yep, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is a piece of art that you like? I just bought some new art. So it is my favorite right now. And I went to Chimayo, which is a small town in New Mexico. And there's a Sanctuario de Chimayo. It's a little adobe cathedral and it's in the little town of chamayo so i went there to buy my red chili yesterday mm -hmm, of course <laughs> and they have the local artists paint what's called retablos and santos usually it's a carved wood that something is painted on and so i bought a retablo that has a little shelf on it and as the painting of a woman and the artist who painted it said the woman was Rosa and he had a series of three. So that's my favorite right now. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cookie, on days that you wake up and you don't feel like going into work, what gets you motivated? It's called 2020, boo. 2021. <laughs> the days is usually the days I wake up and I want to go to work. Yeah. I don't think about my job is work. I'm always doing a very specific thing. So it's like, oh, I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm designing this play or this project. So I never think about, oh my God, I gotta go to work. I always think about, you got 20 shopping bags that you need to get from point A to point B. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the schlepping part, <laughs> if you call that the work, the schlepping you know what I mean? I don't always have some young, cute little person to carry those bags. So it's like... Okay, so the schlepping. The schlepping is the biggest challenge for you. Yeah, the schlepping. <laughs> so what gets me motivated is they got to get it in there by one o'clock. So that means I got to get it in there at 11 o'clock because they're always going to show up early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's just one task at a time. You'll get very overwhelmed if you think about that really big picture. So, you know, we don't go to bed till like one one thirty in the morning when we're taking a show. You guys are back in there in that theater at 8 o'clock in the morning. I never know how you do it. Me either. And then you guys are out of the building eating when we just come into the building. God forbid they let us, you know, talk to each other and collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the mystery people, you know what I mean? Actually, actually, it's funny because I talked to a costume designer who said she loves collaborating. Oh, no, it was a hair and makeup person. She was like, I love I love collaborating with lighting designers. And then um, another makeup artist said, oh, yeah, lighting are my favorite people. In my head, I'm thinking, I never have time to talk to the hair and makeup and wigs people. Like if I... If I talk to him for five minutes in a meeting, it's a miracle. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. I think it's so important. It's so, with makeup especially, it is so important to go, are you planning on casting a lot of shadows? Are you planning on using, you know, this is a black actress. Make sure you stay away from green and blue. And I, that's the collaboration. That's the fun part. Yeah, yeah. You know? I love it. 
So on to your financial personality. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, I, I am so ready. Are, <laughs> are you bad or good with money? I used to be very bad with money. I used to be very, very bad with money. I was a cash only, which in hindsight wasn't good for me. But I never had debt. And I thought that when I, when I applied for my first credit card, I went, this is great. I don't have any debt. And they said, well, you really don't exist. Yep. <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> when did you get a credit card? Not too long ago. It was when I was in my late 40s. And, and in New Mexico, you own that house? I own this house. So you had credit by the time you got the house. I was renting a little guest house from my best friend. She said, you know, they're building this new development. There's a sign that says, no money down, zero down, zero money down. You should stop paying me rent and buy one of those houses. Then we looked in and she goes, you have no credit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I signed up. I got a credit card that I put money, I put $500 on it. And they kept it for six months or there was something that if you had it and then you just paid your bill and my credit limit was $500. And then they sent me back my $500 with interest and gave me a limit of $1,000. And then it went from there. And then I applied to buy this house. It was no money down until we got to closing. (laughs) 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 And it was like, you know, with mortgages, they ask you things like, you have to show that you can pay the mortgage for six months. You have to have that amount of money in a savings account. I didn't have to give them that money. I just had to have six months mortgage payments in a bank account. Did you need the credit card to get the house? Or like how long before you got the house? Was it like six months? See, they were just building this development. In other words, big sign, empty lot. Then they started digging in the ground. Now in this development, there are like 73 houses. So from the time that I applied and got approved, and then they started building my house. They started building a house, and I didn't move in until about a year or something later. So in the meantime, then you they send what your mortgage to, an underwriter to the this, do you qualify for that program, da-da-da-da-da. Meanwhile, it's like I got the credit card. And by the time we got to the actual, okay, now fill out, send us all of these things. I at least had a credit card that was that was unsecured. So you applied for the house without any credit, but you you had a year and you built a little credit by the time you actually started paying the mortgage. Before nothing down became, where's the money in the bank? <laughs> Growing up, did you have good financial examples to learn from? No. My mom was a single mom. She was raising me and my sister, and then I have a brother who's 13 years younger. And it was just hand to mouth. She worked at a hospital. She was a nurse's aide. And then sometimes, you know, then she, if she'd lose the job, then looking for another job, we were on welfare and food stamps. And then when she get a job, we'd get off the welfare and keep the food stamps. You know, she did the best she could, raising at the end three children on her own in the ghetto, in the heart of Bed-Stuy. We lived over a bar, Nostrand Avenue, going towards Williamsburg, if you, you know, if you go in that direction. And then we moved an awful lot, you know, and it was always hand to mouth. So she didn't teach me about money. She was too busy 
trying to make the money. At Christmas, make sure, you know, we got the bicycle. Even if that meant putting it on credit and paying way more for the bike. At the start of your career, what did your finances look like? No finances. I mean, what did they look like? There was nothing to look like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was I was a waitress, bartending, you know, it's paycheck to paycheck. No savings account, nothing. Nothing. And then one of my mentors, you know Tom Watson? Yeah. He's my he's my best friend. Nice. When I was an apprentice, he was my boss. Mm. He taught me everything I know. That's what he says. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, and we now have you on tape though, because you just said it too, technically. <laughs> yes, yeah, he did. He, I learned a lot from Tom. You know, he's very talented, very gifted, and, and he taught me how I my approach to this business, and he taught me the reality of it, and he taught me. He says, "Cookie, if you just want to be a wig maker, that's fine." But you'll never make any money because you can only make so many wigs in so many hours. He says you need to become a designer. So you want my finances was like a couple of friends talking to me saying you really need to get real because it was like everything cash. You know what I mean? Everything cash. And I'm like, going, how come you bought an apartment? And how come you got a new car? And how the problem is I'm not motivated by things. So I never do something so I can get a new car. I am motivated by a, a good coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's like things, it's okay. You know what I mean? I drive a 1999 Toyota pickup truck. Good, good for schlepping, I think. Oh, God. But I don't have it in my business. I don't have it in New York. It's here. When I go to New York, it's the subway. Because I don't believe in an Uber and I do not believe in... If I'm going to take a cab, I'll take a yellow cab. But then I think, you know, they drive you, you get out, you ain't got nothing to show for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But if I'm going to take one, it's going to be a yellow cab. Yeah, yeah. I was working a lot and getting nowhere fast until I had to change and get real. You have to get real at some point. Yeah. You got to get a credit card. You got to get a paper trail. So then you can start living beyond your means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs taught how, how to do that. That's easy to do. But that's what I'm saying. But that's the difference. It's like beyond your means. It's like that whole thing of living beyond your means. Put it on the card, pay it off, maybe, you know, that sort of thought pattern. Yeah. Do you have any outstanding debts at this point? I have a mortgage and that's it. Mo uh, is this New Mexico mortgage? Mm -hmm. I just refinanced this house. Because the interest rate I got was 2.7. And I was doing a 5.75. Yeah, people listening in the future, the interest rates are really good in 2020. They dropped. <laughs> and they're still, they're still dropped. So we've been at a year of an e easily getting a 2.9 or whatever. It's, it's a good time to refinance or buy. So I have a question about mortgages and refinancing. So you've had the house for... 21. 21 years. So when you got it, yeah. did you put it on a 30-year mortgage? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when did you... Is this the first time you've refinanced? I think when I first got it, my interest rate was 11. And then I refinanced it down to a 5.75. You know, pull some 
equity out. And then this time I had a huge water main break since I've been here. And I've had to pay like $40,000 to get the water brought to my house instead of under my house. It now comes through the roof of my house. The current refinancing that you did, I assume last year, 2020? I just got the check last week. Oh, okay. (laughs) Is that 30 years starting now or is that a different term? Yeah, 30 years starting now. I made a bet. (laughs) (laughs) Does that mean you like, because traditionally you put down 20%-ish on a house as a down payment and then you finance the other 80%. So when you refinanced, you already have equity in the house. So is it like 20% equity that you have now or is it a different number? I mean, if we're going to talk numbers, let's talk numbers. I just thought of, like my friend said, cookie is just a number. I bought this house for $119,000 21 years ago. I refinanced it last month. The house appraised at $350,000. I owed a loan of way down on my life. Like I owed 107000 My mortgage payment was eleven. My mortgage payment is $638 now. Because they said you have a lot of equity in this. So in theory, there's still a lot of that. It appraised at three over three. And I have a loan on it right now for like 149000 Okay. I'm not perfect with numbers, but you have over 50%. You have like 60% of your the equity is in the house. Yeah. That's really cool. So now, did you just choose that? Like, did you just say, well, I want the loan to be 100000 Did you sort of determine that number? Well, no, no. I wanted, what they did was, you know, when you refinance, they just pay off your old mortgage. Mm-hmm. Another mortgage company bought my loan, paid it off, and then gave me money. I pulled $40,000 out of it. So now that's why I have a mortgage for that amount. I only own 100000 you know. I was, my plan this year was to, oh, if I could get a musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the Broadway. <laughs> All right, well, next year. Oh, no, wait, this year. Yeah, this year. <laughs> oh, I doubt it. I don't know. I can't go there. We'll see. When you have excess money... What do you do with it? If I have excess money, which I've never had in my life, <laughs> money in the bank and excess are two different things because it's like I'm 71 years old. I work in the arts. I'm a 1099, no retirement. No, You know what I mean? It's like, so I have to be careful. But if I want to splurge, let's just say that I travel. That's the best. My last splurge was Bali. Oh, nice. It was, yeah, it was for beautiful people. Gorgeous people, but it's like, oh, it was so hot. <laughs> I was there, it was so hot. You're so hot. Is it New Mexico hot? <laughs> no, New Mexico. I'm like almost 8,000 feet in the air. I'm in the mountains, Santa Fe. We have a ski base in here. It's cold. Do you think or worry about money on a daily basis? No. Why? My money is to serve me and me not to serve it. Yeah. So I just bought a new washer dryer. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that attitude. Oh, people, it's like, have you ever seen you can't take it with you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can't. Yep. Live now. Yep. Yep. Cookie, in your financial life, which I guess is your life, in your life, have you ever lived by a budget? Live within your means. You know if you can afford it. Damn it. You know, please stop serving that money. 
You know I'm going to put that on a t-shirt and that's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be a great slogan. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to leave anything here because I'm going to use it while I'm here. You earn your own shit. Don't wait for your mama and daddy to die to get what they worked for. Learn your own shit and take care of your mama and daddy. Let them live it up. Yeah. Um <laughs> taking a break from the episode to mention our Patreon page. If you're enjoying the show, please consider becoming a patron. As a patron, you'll get the outtakes from today's interview where we talk about agents for designers, Cookie producing a play in Santa Fe, Cookie's free hot dog stand during COVID, and why I started Artistic Finance. All patrons have access to the archive of previous outtakes and bonus content, And most importantly, you're supporting our mission to help artists talk openly about finances without fear of shame, stigma, or guilt. You can join for as little as $3 a month, or you can save 6% if you sign up for an annual membership. Do that at patreon.com slash artistic finance. Thank you in advance for your support. And now back to the show. Uh, What is the best financial decision that you've ever made? I bought this house. At the instigation of somebody else. Yeah, a landlord. Now that's a friend. You need to stop paying me money and buy your own house. And I'll help you figure it out. And she did. Because she's a bookkeeper. Um, You know, I, I do find this interesting because I've asked a lot of people what the best financial decision they've ever made. Pretty much everybody, it's always been somebody else instigating them to do it. You know, it's never anything anybody thought to do on their own. Um, so your income, are you pretty much all 1099 income? Yes. Do you, is it just paid to you, Cookie Jordan? Yes. Do you have an LLC or anything set up? To me. Um, and, and do you pay your taxes quarterly? Yes. <laughs> For everybody, she is nodding no. She said yes, but she's nodding no. <laughs> no, I don't. And this year they fined me for it. Normally they never fine you for it as long as when your ta- tax bill is due, you pay it all up front. But this year, if you didn't pay quarterlies, they gave you a fine. It's not a big fine. And my person who does my taxes, she goes, hey, it's worth the fine for them not to have your money. Keep your money in your own savings account. They don't need to have your money and then refund money to you. Okay, so I haven't filed my 2020 taxes yet, but I didn't get fined. I didn't get fined. Mm -hmm. And I didn't pay my quarterly. You're not black. Oh, I forgot that. (laughs) (laughs) You know... They're out to get us. (laughs) You know we're laughing, but... uh... (laughs) You never know. But yeah, my bookkeeper, I said, you know, I got a fine... You know, she goes, yeah, you're one of the lucky ones. The government is trying to look for money. Right. Well, that's a good point. And my agent got fined. You know, it's only like two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so you know, because you were you were saying yes, but nodding no. Almost everybody I talk to does not pay quarterly. I don't. B- but okay. there there are some there are some people that do it. Yeah. The the theory I've come up with is if you pay quarterly and then you stop, then you're going to run into problems. But if you just never do it, this is not tax advice. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but if you just don't do it, as far as I know, nobody finds you. <laughs> the woman who does my taxes, she says, you know, I just think at the end of the year, you if you're not paying the quarter, quarterlies, you should have the money because she tells me what the quarterly should be. Right. And sends me the coupons when she does my taxes. It's always based on your last year's earning. So if you did well 
last year and you don't do well this year, you're going to overpay and you're going to get a refund. Because when they when you owe them money, they charge you a penalty and interest. But when they over, when you overpay them, you don't get no interest. And if you overpay them but don't realize it, they'll just keep that money. They're, they're never going to let you know. Yeah, and apply it to next year. <laughs> yeah, but you have to remember, they don't just automatically do it. You have to somehow figure out that, anyway, that happened. IRS. <laughs> um, okay, so now retirement. Hey, you're, you're, you can collect Social Security. Are you doing that? Yes. Oh, okay. So I'm going to ask you about all the parts of your retirement income, even though theater people don't really retire. <laughs> Social Security, you got it. That's it. Social Security, retirement income, period. Okay, so I have a question because aren't, are you in USA 829? I'm not in any union. Ah, okay. Wig and makeup people, designers, we don't have a union. We want to be in the, you guys' union, but they won't take us. So you, because you've worked on a number of Broadway shows, or uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Choir Boy, you and I worked on Choir Boy. That's a Broadway show. So you work on that without being in a union? Mm-hmm. Right to work. Wow. Don't really need to be in a union to work in New York. It's a right to work. Yeah. And I'm designing. If I was running the show, I would have to join the union. They would want me to be in the union, but I'm only there for a couple of weeks and then I'm gone. Okay, Cookie, I didn't know. I thought I thought you had to be in the union to z- design a Broadway show. Mm-mm. Whoa, you have just... And I've designed many. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is blowing my mind. <laughs> The hair and makeup union, which is the local 798, you know, they've asked me to join and I don't see any benefit of it because I don't get paid by the hour. I don't. It has nothing to do with breaks. And it's all about that kind of stuff. I think it was $3,500 to join. And they were going to do a one time let me in as a designer because I don't have a hair license, which is all those things they want you to have to run a show. And then it was going to be like $1,200 or $1,100. And I got furious. And I said, you have all these young people who are trying to get into this union. And the only thing that's preventing them is the cost. And you offer me, a Broadway designer, a break. If anyone could afford to pay $3,500, is me. So they let my little assistant in for that discounted rate. And then they wanted me. I, no, it's fine. She's in. Thank you. <laughs> it's, I just think that the obstacles that are in this business for young people starting is horrible. And everybody gets in and closes the door. This is blowing my mind. I, I don't want to speak ill of USA 829, my union. <laughs> <laughs> I joined it because I was young and foolish. And they were doing that thing where it was like a drive where they were trying to get membership mm-hmm. up. So they were like, everybody's welcome, <laughs> with exceptions. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Except for you little black one over there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I joined. I don't know that the benefits have outweighed the cost. Not that the cost is crazy or anything with how it's worked out for me. I do half theater and I do half other stuff. So I'm not working enough in the union ecosystem. To get the benefits. Benefits, the health care. Yeah. The Cobra. Uh, that, and then they give you that Cobra. It's like, who the hell can afford this? So, man, Cookie, you just blew my mind with that you're not in the union. Because I just assumed you were. Mm-mm. Wow. No, not in the union. There are a lot of here people who are not, who work on Broadway, who 
are not in the union because it's so hard to get into the union unless they want to make an exception for you. Which if you get 100,000 Instagram followers, they will make an exception for you. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> oh, but I bet it's Instagram. true. <laughs> this is the reason we're in this shit we're in now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay, so so your retirement plan is Social Security and nothing else. That's it. Okay. $638 mortgage. And if Broadway ever comes back, I have, you know, a few musicals coming up. So maybe I can pay it off. But why pay it off? I mean, when I drop dead, it's fine. Somebody take over the mortgage. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think most people think that is like you could be 99 years old and start a 30 year mortgage. The bank's going to let you do it. Yeah. Because nobody really cares. Because if you if you pass away and it's unpaid, things will get shuffled around. Nobody nobody loses money. Yeah. They got the house. So I don't I say don't pay it off. Mm-mm. But that's me. <laughs> Again, don't listen to me. There you go. <laughs> um, OK, so Cookie, what job of yours has been the most financially lucrative for you? Well, I was thinking about that question, and it's not the job, you know what I mean? Because they all have financial, really good sides. Yeah. The most money you make is when you're designing the wigs, and you are the vendor of the wigs on our Broadway musical. A long-term show, the longer it runs, the more money you make. We all know that, because you get the royalty. Fela ran for quite a while all over the world. In the dollars, it was good, but it was, I went to Nigeria, I went to Amsterdam, I worked at the National, I was the first wig designer that the National ever brought in. I saw the world, darling. (laughs) And the producers, Steve Hendel, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Really good guy. And yeah, that was, I would say, financially, it was good. But it wasn't like crazy money. It was just that it went so long. When you're getting like a royalty, let's say a $500 a week, that's $2,000 a month. And that happens for four or five years. That passive money. Yeah, that's the key to capitalistic world we're in. <laughs> I know. You were saying being the designer of the wigs and being the vendor. So for Fela, were you the vendor? I'm always the vendor. You're always the vendor. Mm-hmm. Okay. I design it. We get the wigs approved and I make it. I don't go shopping for the wigs. I make the wigs from beginning to end. Let's just say, for example, you have a Broadway show, the average price to buy a wig, because on Broadway for musicals, they're always buying, purchasing the wigs. And if you have an average of, and this is a small musical, let's just say it's 30 wigs. And the average price for each wig that you're selling them for is $3,500. Very interesting. And just because I know nothing about wigs, if you have a, a Fela show that's running for four years, do you ever have to replace the wigs or how often might you need to replace them? Those fronts of those wigs kept getting replaced because the wigs had to be glued on them because of the type of dance that they did. And all the wigs were braided. So and then, you know, they bring it in and they'll say, can you replace the front? And then I say, yeah. All right. Very interesting. So you're the vendor for all the shows you design wigs for. Um, how much of your success has been hard work versus luck? I just think when opportunities come, you must be prepared. There is no luck where, oh, and I, no, 
No, because if you're not ready and prepared, it doesn't matter who you meet. It's usually someone likes your work. It's always about the work. And if you're not prepared when the opportunity comes, it doesn't matter. What financial advice would you give yourself back when you started your hair and makeup career? Or would you give somebody else that's starting to be a designer now? Don't listen to me. <laughs> that's the advice. Don't listen to me. I go by the seat of my pants. You know, if you want security, save your money. Get another career. Teach. This is the nature of what we do. You have a job and that job has an ending date. So be prepared for the ending date. I do a thing. I always, okay, the pandemic hit. I had all these shows gone. So, but I had some shows that I hadn't been paid for and stuff. So, you know, I went down. I think the first week of shutdown was sending out my invoices. (laughs) And the money came in. And in March, I paid my rent until March 1st of this year. Every time a check came in, I'd send another month's rent, another month's rent, another month's mortgage. Everything was paid until March 1st because I thought Christmas is going to be like downtime because I was preparing not for the pandemic, but for having no work in December and January. But then you got Christmas in there. And the holidays, and you want to spend money, that's when you will overspend. One for me, and a gift for my friend. A gift for me, and a gift for my friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I know I just, so I paid everything till March 1st. Always stay ahead in that money. You know, when you look at your money, because you know, I know how you get paid on a 1099. It sort of looks like a lot of money, but it's not. When you think about all the hours that you've put in, and then you get this one lump sum check. So that's why you have to be very wise with your hours of work. When I do text, I'm very upfront now, and I've learned this from my friend Tom. I'm very upfront. I want to be there during tech. I like tech. But those other silly little things prior to tech, I have an assistant and I always say, well, that's the person that will be coming to do that. But you can count on me being there for tech. I like tech. I live for the tech. Put me in a dark room and some popcorn and I'm good. (laughs) I can look at, I can stare at something so long. Yeah, and, and for me, the work doesn't really happen until you all of those meetings about the wig and the hair and the this and the makeup. But when you get on stage, it's totally something different. We have a human being and now we have to design it. You do basically the outline and then the people get on stage and this is where the craft comes in. You know, I got that green light on that dark skin and they're looking ashy. <laughs> Help, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> amazing okay so that's good so i'm trying to think what the advice out of there is because you actually said a lot of things there but one was be prepared and be upfront how you're going to handle things and then also be prepared like like, so you paid your rent because you knew it was going to be a crazy pandemic well i knew it was christmas was coming yeah i started doing this because you know we get really busy in november Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know because all those shows are opening before christmas and so we got very busy i got very busy and then, and I knew January and February, there was some, you know, it's, it starts to rile up again. I had shows that I had built wigs for that I, you know what I mean, were waiting to go into tech. And we just never went into tech. Just never went into tech. Dun, 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 dun. 
<laughs> wow. I've just never known anybody to pay their rent that far ahead. Oh, it is the most freeing feeling. Yeah. Do it for the holidays. Always pay your rent at least till February 1st. Because this is how I look at it. What's ever in that checking account. Because I move, st- I always pay myself for savings. I go, whatever is in the checking account on December the 1st, I can spend because my rent is paid till February 1st. I can enjoy the holidays. My bills are paid. And it's just great. Man, Cookie, you have just said some things today that are just blowing my mind. (laughs) You never thought about doing that? No, I think it's great. I haven't. I haven't. Because like your accountant says, I like having the money. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like other people having my money. Even if they're going to get it eventually. But the rent, right. you know, it's not like... I know I'm going to have to pay it. And you're benefiting from it. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I I have a couple questions about your, like, checking savings account. Do you just have one savings and one checking account? Mm-hmm. Because your finances seem very simple. Like, you actually seem very in good shape for an artiste. It's very, but it took me a while to get there. Yeah. I, I love how simple and streamlined... You have it. You know, I pay. I get paid on a 10 and 9, 10.99, and I pay on a 10.99. You know, the wig makers, they know that they're going to get the money. And one of the things I do as a person who hires wig makers, some people make it a business and we do the payroll to pay you at this time. I just go, you turn in the wig, I sell your money to your account. People love working for me. <laughs> Because I sell them that money. There's no waiting for a check. There's no, I give them that money immediately. I look at it. I check it. If it's okay, you got the money. Um, Okay, Cookie, I'll try to wrap this up because I've taken so much of your time. What can you and I do to stress the importance of finance and savings to our fellow artists? Do you really want to just feel comfortable in your shoes and your life and your skin? It's fine if you don't mind You know, that pit in your stomach when you know that rent's coming up and you don't have the money. But you did go out and eat three times this week. I met your friends and had one of those three or four of those $12 drinks. (laughs) And I know that feeling of wanting to reward yourself because we sit in our dark room all the time. Uh, No one owes you anything. If they don't pay you enough, don't do it. Don't be afraid to say, I need more money. You're not saying I need more money because this is not enough money to live on. No, this is not enough to pay me to do what I do. I deserve to be able to pay my rent. I deserve to be able to buy a Metro card. And what is this, a $450 a week paycheck for someone to do a show in New York and live in New York City? You know, and don't be afraid to ask for what you're worth. I think that's the biggest problem. I agree with you. One, 100 percent. Yeah. You know, this was a very, these questions that you sent out, I think should be, you know, given to college students to do that. It made me do a financial inventory because a lot of this stuff I was going to say, oh, that's just too personal, too personal. And then uh, my friend went, hey, this is an opportunity to let people know. People have this idea that we make all of this money. You can do it. My little assistant, my little assistant, (laughs) my assistant, she is so good with her money, you know, but she has very good financial examples. You know what I mean? She saves, saves, saves. She's a saver. 
I should be talking to her. No. <laughs> yes, Joya Jambroni. You should get younger people. You have any young ones? I do, yeah, I do. I do. I have, I have everybody. She's a young wig and makeup person. She's mostly a makeup artist. She assists me on practically every show that I do. Well, because I was going to say, I have a young one uh, that's actually, I've already recorded, but she's a teacher. That's a completely different ballgame when you're not on 1099 income all the time. Yeah, and when you're teaching like that, it's because you want that security. You're not going to, you don't want to walk on that edge. No. I'm so glad that you, that you decided all these questions weren't too personal. I'm glad that you shared all this because your picture is actually really streamlined. I think a lot of people would look at you and be like, they're a designer doing all this crazy wig stuff. Your finances are probably super complicated. But what you walked through today is like, it's just that simple. Like it, it's not more complicated than you have to make more than you spend. You must. You must. I wished I had more in my savings, but hey, but I do have a savings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a cushion. I do that thing where if something happened, you know, that woman who does that financial show where she says you almost, you must have six months in the bank to pay your rent You for six months. So if you pay your rent ahead six months, it's like having it in the bank. It's there. No work. I don't have to worry about my rent. Yeah. And be generous. I have an apartment in New York. I'm letting an actor stay in it rent-free. Wow. I have to pay rent anyway, and that rent is paid till March 1st. Yeah, yeah. You know, with the COVID and losing his apartment and and then not, you know, people don't want to have... It used to be he would just be able to couch surf. You can't do that now. So an actress friend asked me if I knew someone well, no, but my apartment, he could rent it for, blah, blah, blah. And he couldn't afford it. Of course he couldn't afford it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I was like, God, I don't want the karma of having an empty apartment and knowing someone is going to put themselves in an un-COVID situation, unsafe, unhealthy. Cause, but my apartment's empty and looking all cute. <laughs> So I let him stay and things worked out that he's able to, it's now he, we're in a pay what you can mode. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's fine. And that's another thing too. help each other out. Don't close the door when you get in. Look at all these people now that you're in. You know what I mean? Oh, that is, that's so great. Cookie, I'm so glad I talked to you today. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> okay, Cookie. So two more questions. What separates those that have a full-time career in the arts, say they're a makeup and wig designer full-time, versus those people that never even try it because, I don't know, the life of an artist seems too crazy, or people that, that go to school for it, try it, and then decide to go do something else? I can't see myself doing anything else. That's all. That's all. And, you know, because of my background, what's security? What security? Never grew up with it. I'm not afraid of not having it. You know what I mean? But nothing's secure. Look at what happened yesterday. There is no fucking security. I don't know. It's just a whatever the choice, whatever, whatever rocks your boat. You know, I do. I've worked with some young people that I go, well, ugh. then I don't know if this is for you. Potential designers, not someone who wants to be in a wig room running a show. There are people who want to do that. 
And then when they're in the wig room running the show, they say, oh, I could do this, I could design this show. Well, why didn't you? And one of the hardest things about this business that people should be, because I'm going to do a class at Yale for the production managers, because they're the ones who put together these ridiculous budgets, where they don't know how to budget costumes or hair, but they're in charge of giving the money for it. But they do know about lighting. They all know about lighting. They all know about the sound kit and the lighting package. And you know what I mean? But they don't know anything about how you budget for a, a show. How do you budget hair? How do you budget uh, costumes? So we're going to talk about the numbers. It's clear when you see how much someone pays to make a wig. That's why it costs so much. I guess you won't know if you don't like it until you try it. It's okay to say uh-uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not failure. That's not failure. That's not failure. And if you think your goal is to do a Broadway show, I feel sorry for you. But for the simple fact in the way of if that is your worth, I want to re do really good projects. If it goes to Broadway, fine. It usually loses something when it goes to Broadway. You got to understand the difference between a commercial show and a nonprofit theater show. But it doesn't mean nonprofit theater that pays you less. They pay you what you're worth. They do a budget that you can do your job in. If you need, I don't know what the lighting budget say, if you need $50,000 to do the lights and they give you 20, and the answer is no, thank you. That's the only way we're going to get them out of this mess. Because we always pull it through for them. And they just want to keep giving you less money. Whenever you pull it through, it's like, then they say to you, they know you gave them a deal. And then you say to them, this is a deal. Da, 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 da. The next time they ask you, they throw in your face, well, the last time you did it and it was da, 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 and you did it for blah, 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 blah. So you just make sure in every contract, if you're giving someone a deal that is in writing in the contract, what it really costs and what break you're giving it to them for, then you could write it off as an in-kind donation in your taxes at the end. I make them give me a receipt for the actual price. I give them a, this is how much it costs. This is, you know, five wigs. Let's say five wigs, $10,000. Flat fee, $8,000. Okay, so that when they throw it back in your face, they're like, no, 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 no. And then they, I ask them, can you give me an in-kind donation for 2000 Bring the tax bill down. <laughs> Man, Cookie, you are full of this stuff. <laughs> I've learned a lot of that from my, um, my agent, you know? Okay, last question. Where can people find out more about you? Why? <laughs> <laughs> What, just to know about me or to offer me a job? <laughs> oh, well, let's just say job because that seemed to pique your interest more. <laughs> <laughs> I have, you can contact Summit Entertainment, okay? That's my agent. There, the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers. <laughs> you know, she'll be like, oh, you did that? Because everything goes past her desk. I may be in trouble. I may lose my agent. Uh-oh. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh-oh. <laughs> But it's just, it's just good, you know, because she's always, she says, when people are recording and stuff, I just want to make sure you're protected. 
Okay, well, Cookie Jordan, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. This, this was, was awesome. fun. Let's see how long it was. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. That was our interview with Cookie Jordan. My takeaways were, you don't have to be in a union to design on Broadway. Yes, Broadway is unionized, but you have a right to work. Pay your rent early. This is a way to breathe easier if you're going paycheck to paycheck. This is so simple and so brilliant, I can't believe I never thought of it. Your money is to serve you, not for you to serve your money. And finally, if you're working for a nonprofit and they won't pay you your asking rate, ask for an in-kind donation receipt for the difference. Thank you to Cookie for a wonderful chat. Remember, if you like this episode, check us out at patreon.com slash artisticfinance, where you can subscribe starting as low as $3 a month. That's where the rest of today's interview is, and we talk about Cookie producing a financial flop, why I started Artistic Finance, and Cookie's free hot dog stand during COVID. We also talk about agents. So if you're a designer and want to hear the outtakes without becoming a patron, just email me and I'll share it with you directly. Final favor before I let you go please tell a friend about this podcast. That's how we'll reach more artists and remind them to monitor their financial health. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Find more information on our website, artisticfinance.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a rating and review. Artistic Finance is produced in New York City by Nicole and Ethan Steimel. Producing consultant Anne Nigrin Doherty. Graphics and website by Josh Cutler. Music by Chong Liu. Music by Chong Liu.